the subject of this evening's talk is the marriage of the inner and the outer. One might say that there are three, to put it rather simply, three types of uh, people. There are people who are simply concerned with, them, with themselves, some by the living with a, a priority of uh, power, profit, um, privilege, and some who are just preoccupied with themselves because they are living as um, underprivileged, dispossessed, exploited people and have little choice. And then there are people who are concerned with the, with the inner and all that is implied in, in being concerned with, with the inner, generally expressing its, uh, itself in terms, of course, uh, in religion. Religion is quite often the certain preoccupation of saving the soul or another form of language. The preoccupation with the, or the looking at the inner, of course, in our contemporary Western world, expressing itself through through therapy, through uh, analysis, through through psychology, and the preoccupation of the inner too, through the field of um, meditation and uh, harmony of body and mind, and, and the various forms and expressions and contributions, very noticeably one might say, from the East, which encourage us to live in an integrated way, physically and psychologically, spiritually, uh, meaning. <clears throat> and then there's a third group of people, the group of people who are concerned with the outer, concerned with the, the realities of the outer situation and, what, and what's going on in the world, in one's immediate um, environment of people and creatures and nature, and at a larger level too, nationally, possibly uh, a global level. And we see, when we're looking in, in these three groups of people, that the first group doesn't seem to be concerned with meaningful change, but rather the preoccupation of, of mind is having more. And some, I think it's very important, some by, the, by necessity, by the acute dire circumstances in which people, millions of people, both in the third world and the western world, are forced to live under. And this is a, a shameless situation in a world of so much abundance. And of course the people too who have much and in having much can never be satisfied, the mind constantly living with wanting more, want, wanting more. And one of the more, as it were, what one might say, the more pathetic expressions of this is in the various stock exchanges around the world with these fumbling old people still on the stock exchange, still trying to accumulate 
through wheeling and dealing even more money than they've already got already. All of this is that first category of people. And in this talk this evening, I would like to um, speak just a little bit about the other two groups of people who are concerned with change, meaningful change, both at the inner level and at the outer. Because slowly, very, very uh, slowly, but noticeably, there are certain bridges are being made. There's a certain, as it were, quite marriage taking place, if I dare use that totally unfashionable word, between the, the inner and the, uh, and the uh, outer. This, the, the, in looking and, and working with the, working with the inner, in a, in a way I have long since rather considered myself fortunate. Fortunate in, in, in this respect, insofar as the primary influences in my uh, life have been ones which have which come and stem from a very long tradition of working with the inner. And this long tradition, dating back thousands of years, said to have its uh, um, origin in the East and uh, most noticeably uh, uh, India, and particularly the foothills of the Himalayas and those uh, areas around there, that, that the tradition as such, though I personally don't feel it has to have um, uh, any name or words applied to it, but the tradition is one which has, as it were, stood the test of time. It's been, it's been one which has become um, seasoned from one generation of human beings to the next and has had uh, some degree of um, influence in various parts of the world particularly until this uh, century, of course, no, and noticeably um, in Asia. And it's not unusual, is it, for these things, that as something begins to de fade and deteriorate in one place, it begins to take a, a renewal or take a birth, let us say, somewhere else. And this is rather apparent to those of us who go to the East um, regularly and who witness what is taking place there, basically it's the decline, I would say, in a general way, of the religion. There's a disintegration taking place there. And as one of the teachers in the uh, East, in uh, Thailand, one of the uh, Buddhist masters there, has, ob has observed in the East, it's teaching the Dharma, I mean, speaking about reality, tends to be like trying to water an old tree which is which is rather dying and the leaves and the branches are falling off and if one is trying to keep something alive there as the east more more and more adopts and imitates our way of living industrial progress never mind the cost and coming to the West, he, and certainly something which, um, if I may say, I uh, experience myself, is such where there's a, uh, a freshness, um, a newness, there's a vitality of, 
of interest and practice and and inquiry and spiritual investigation and looking into the into oneself and life and so there's, there's there is this long tradition which has been maintained with some variations on the form and one has in a way as a communicator the support of that th thousands of years of support in contrast to that working with, with the inner there's a whole variety of contemporary therapies which are available some of which will last the course of time and some will fade and so sometimes people come and they and they say you know I've just heard about this uh, uh, workshop or whatever it might be or this medi this meditation or um, this form of in, uh, inquiry or this new this new therapy or whatever it, whatever it may be and several of you have mentioned one um, which has become uh, somewhat uh, 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 used and uh, has been uh, applied and experienced by a number of people, the one of uh, rebirthing. And, and, there, and of course there are many, 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 and many of them, of course, the spawning ground for many of these ways of working inwardly, is, of course, has been uh, California. And then they fly out of California with the, with the new one for us. And some of them proved to be, I would say, extremely helpful and and insightful, and and this is, and the seeds have been planted um, uh, elsewhere. <clears throat> and the question, of course, is with with an, a number of the contemporary approaches, is will it stand the test of time? And sometimes it can very easily take place. If something becomes very, very popular, everybody says, you must do it, you must do it, you must do it. And a person goes to experience that, whatever it may be, finds it perhaps useful, but it fades away. And it seems that more and more what is t taking place, and what I am hearing more and more, and particularly in the... Um, in, in the States is that the inquiry and the direction of it as far as the inner goes is that people want to have the resources and the tools to be able to work on themselves. To, and and that there's a growing kind of movement in our West towards sharing at the psychological level and towards independence. And that the, that the rather unusual combination of these two means that one wishes basically to feel less dependent upon the guru who love their privilege believe me who love the power of authority and who maintain it through a whole variety of means because that's a nice place to be in it's always nice to be in life the, in the position of I know and poor children you don't know <laughs> and this kind of relationship and all the various uh, factors factors of it seems to me somewhat out of sync out of tune with a 
a progressive relationship to life which is taking place whereby we begin to see each other a little bit more as human beings, a little bit more on the, on the, uh, on the level of equality rather than buying into this old formula of someone who uh, is up there, usually male given the way things are, and others who are in a submissive condition. And all of that has to be questioned and it's uh, a joy for me to see that more and more people are beginning to question that old mode of relationship. Even though one has to recognize that so often that need for the, the father, for figure, whether it's the, the, the psychologist or the guru or, or whatever, is born out of insecurity, is a, you know, the usual substitute father or whatever. Still, inquiry and change and looking at the inner is looking at how am I in relationship to him, to her, to others. This working and looking at the, working and getting in, t in touch with the inner, some people have found, it's not an unusual uh, thing, that one seems to have given, se by necessity, several years of one's life to emphasizing the inner in as distinct from the outer. I, sometimes by the quietness of the lifestyle, sometimes by the simple development of um, mindfulness in the daily life, sometimes through the regularity of daily life meditation. All, all of that expresses working with the inner. The looking and being acutely aware of one's kind of reactions in life to situations and to other people further emphasis of the inner. Extremely important and a question which one asks, how much am I committed to it? How much is this a real priority in my life? Because if it isn't for us, we will do one thing repeat history. Each time there has been a, an outer movement, I'll go into it in a moment, an outer movement towards re real change, radical change, when, as, it's so f as history is so frequently shown, when there has been no inner change, inner work taking place, the, the people who have been replaced and the people who have replaced them have repeated exactly the same errors but with a new creed. They've done exactly the same thing with a new philosophy. There's no better, I would say, contemporary example of this is than in Iran. Exactly the same has, gone on, has been replaced. So, and the working, it seems to me that this working with the, with the inner takes on 
a global importance. It's more than just you and me. It's more than just a, a handful of uh, uh, people. It's more that it's a necessity <coughs> that we have to explore and find these ways of making for change. And the thing is, what we notice with ourselves, to some degree or other, and this is where self-knowledge comes in, to some degree or other, we are, we are in the first category of people. We're not, we couldn't care a damn half the time about inner change. Couldn't care a damn half the time about our outer change. We want to stay with the old masses of blocks of people, feeling sorry for ourselves or feeling stuck or whatever, or looking for ways and means in which we can have more, have more, have more, have more, have more. And there are plenty of times in our living situations, in our daily life, when we, we, when we are in that phase. So this working and, and looking at ourselves inwardly is, in a way, an, I would say, an expression of one's love. <laughs> In a way, it's an actual act of love to look, and no matter how hard it is, and to go in one's, inside of oneself and see what's happening in here. It's an act of love because if one is willing and wishes to work with oneself, to work with change, to explore that, in a way what we're saying is, I don't want to put anything ugly into this world. I don't want to make this world increase the degree of unhappiness in this world, either in my own life or in the life of other people. I don't want to live like that. And all of us, we see the ugliness which comes up in our mind. We see the arising of things which we, we know, as I was speaking last night, we know we, we need to inquire much more uh, carefully into. So in a way, each time you and I are sitting here in our meditations, each time you and I are, are walking, each time we're being silent and being conscious, we're expressing something important in this world. And at times, of course, we can easily forget it. It can get mechanical, sitting on one's butt, so many... So many uh, uh, hours of the day is not the most exciting thing to be doing in the world. Walking up and down slowly is, is, is not the most intense form of experience. But in a way, what I've noticed and have observed in myself and with, with friends, that it seems to encourage and develop other qualities of mind which are not so apparent. You know, each time you and I sit and we, just for a moment, you know, so, you know, sometimes people come and say, you know, I've just done, I've just done that last sitting. I was able to watch two breaths in a row. To me, this is fantastic. That's two percent. It might be. It expresses something. It, ex it, it expresses a willingness to work with something. 
And as we see, our mind itself doesn't like cooperating. It rebels against the whole idea of living in harmony. What? Me? No, give me my chaos and my confusion any day. I love it. <laughs> Our mind seems to feel attracted towards or aversion towards anything else. One can have the wish in life to be anywhere else. Everything in the course of a sitting can have an acute interest, except the breath. The breath which keeps us alive, which sustains us, which we all share together, which is completely indispensable to human existence, which is more important than our thoughts. You know, as, as I say, if, you want to, if you're not quite sure about the last remark, just stick one's head in a bucket of water and see whether one prefers thinking about the woman or man next to you or whether one wants to get that, whatever. All right. So the, there's this air element which has incredible significance for us in every way, and yet it's so basic, life-supporting, uh, How is our mind, our heart, and so forth going to get a feeling for it? And so, just as I say, the willingness to bring the attention to the, to the practice, to the moment, to the meditation, expresses something beautiful. The willingness and the, and the very short-lived capacity to be with the breathing expresses a sincerity, it, it, ex it expresses a certain momentary one-pointedness. It expresses a harmony and attunement to a basic element of life. It shows a willingness to let go of other things in order to be with that. So within the context of being conscious of a single breath, is also developing these other qualities of mind. Care, interest, mindfulness, focus, one-pointedness, sincerity, willingness to, to let go, discipline. So all of that is taking place within, the, within a single action. But nobody can do it for you. Nobody. It's your life, it's your mind, it's your existence. This working with the inner and the, ex and the exploration of the inner, one of the characteristics which I have noticed, and I was rather um, reminded of this the, uh, the other day, is that some people, and many uh, friends uh, remark and uh, uh, testify to this, have, have noticed that in spite of the frequency of number of retreats that one comes to, um, the possible uh, meditation regularly and the one day uh, 
personal retreats or longer or morning and evening sittings at home or whatever, some people say, in spite of all this that I've done, I'm hopeless. I once got it up to five breaths in a row. I think that's my that's, that was the best. I don't know what happened, what went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and so some people, after doing a, a lot of practice, find that it's still difficult. The mind still has... Uh, find itself a hardship or in a state of reaction in following it through. And yet I've noticed with those very same people as with others, though there may have been some years of difficulty and working with breath, working with body, working with mind, with posture or whatever, that still something in these, this may take an element of faith, something in the other levels of mind, these qualities of mind which have been developed, seem to bring and manifest some kind of single-pointedness at some point in one's life. That something in a peculiar way, in different ways, begins to bear fruit. Even though one may feel, experientially speaking, I've been doing all this meditation, I don't feel I've got anywhere with it. And at the level of just, is the mind a lovely, quiet, sublime, deep, profound instrument? One may say, no, it isn't. But something else which seems to, I think one, what I've noticed, seems to occur is that those people who have followed the process of meditation, even with the feeling of never getting in any, anywhere, seem to have a certain quality of mind which has got developed along with it, and that's a sustained power. To be able to renew, to bring the attention back, infrequently as it may be, develops this quiet empowerment to act. And so some, some, of, our, some of our friends have, have are not so much in their daily life now concerned with meditation and all the form of it, but somehow expressing all that meditation is supposed to bring out in the mind in new and fresh ways. And to me that belongs all to that long tradition. The other elements and aspects of this working with the, with the, uh, the inner and the marriage towards the, the outer, one of the things which I have noticed in my uh, travels and trying as much as possible to keep in touch with the, uh, the, the, the scene. And in a way it's kind of, um, I, I would regard as a very privileged position to, to be in, insofar that uh, um, going, um, going from uh, England, I say going from England, not living in England, um, going from England to uh, other places, to Europe and um, to uh, Budgaya, to uh, India, to give a couple of retreats there, and here to Australia, and a couple of times to the States, and things like that. That that op that the I suppose one of the values of it, personal values of it, though I 
no lover of travel. But the personal values of it is that it helps to give one a connection, a close connection with what's happening. And one of the things which I have noticed just over recent years, and I think here very, very noticeably in, uh, since the beginning of the last retreat and into this retreat, is the, that there was in the time when I first came here in what, 76 or whenever it was, naturally enough a certain kind of insularity, a certain uh, preoccupation and by necessity getting things together often at the uh, material and personal level and as the years have gone by and in the coming back one sees that there's there's more and more people who are saying inner personal life personal situations and outer and it seems that there ha that there is for a growing number of people only judging, of course, by the situation here, um, a kind of dropping off of the feelings of insularity and more this exploration of the inner and the outer. Now that exploration is quite a distinct difference between the late 60s, the early 70s and the anti-Vietnam War period where the uh, inner was virtually an unknown theme in life. Inner what? Oh yeah, you mean I'm hungry. <laughs> so in that respect, over, uh, over a decade, there's coming about a kind of change in which consideration, small percentage of people as it may be, say yes, the inner is important because one doesn't want to reproduce an ugly world. And then we have to ask ourselves and to say, where am I standing right now in all of this? And, not, and what we go on is not how we would like to be, that's, that's, but actually. How do, where, and, not, and it's not that you have to answer to me or I have to answer to, some, to some, somebody else. It's not a whatever classroom. It's a place of inquiry, it's a place for, for adults to, to, to meet together, to, inqu and to inquire, to, to give oneself a freedom. Where do I stand in this world? Where do I stand in terms of that first group of people, that other group of people, people with the, working with the inner with those those people who are who are working on the on the outer and and that you and I in our in our life look at that and we can't none of us can as it were rest on our laurels and say oh I've done that I was at Terrania Creek you know and we go down to Sydney we say I was at Terrania Creek I saw the police come in yeah, we were there for days. Then it was then it was over. What have you been doing since? Well, I got back into smoking after that. 
And one has a feeling that one's done, one has done one's bit for humankind and one is going to tell as many people who want to hear and, one feel, and that's it. And it's very easy to rest on one's uh, uh, laurels. It's very easy to say, well, in, in, the, in the future, when whoever comes back, I'll uh, go and do another meditation retreat or whatever, I'll go and do this or whatever. And inquiry is, 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 is life, and life is today, it's this week, this day, this month, this time. This, I, fe I feel, and I hope, I would like to, to see, my heart's wish, is to see that more and more this marriage of the inner and the outer and the outer of the inner becomes a real theme in our lives. That we give care and consideration to the inner and the outer and what either of those two actually mean for us. And that may take quite different expressions. And what I've noticed, if I may say, in um, very, these various uh, places and parts of, parts of the world, is that there is a growing awareness of this. And people, I happen to be uh, uh, one of them, receive invitations to give uh, uh, work workshops or people, as example, who are involved in the peace movement, who realize that they need to work, as we all do, on the aggressions in themselves. And, uh, and other people are working in, uh, in other ways in which people who have so much been confined to just the inner are beginning to look outside of themselves. And people who have been looking just at the outer reality begin to look at the inner reality. And I feel that these, these links, link-ups really become increasingly more important. And we've all have a long way to go in that, to work with that. And what's so... What I, what I find and what I uh, feel and sense both from the scene here and the scene in um, other parts of the world of this working with the, the uh, inner than the outer, that the only chance that this world has got is with us. That's the amazing thing. And what I, what I sense and, uh, and I hear from uh, many of you also that when one moves around the world and has contact with uh, uh, different people, the sense of like-mindedness is so very strong. One feels an affinity and a con about this world and a concern for the world and, and all that's taking place in it at the present time. And one begins to realize we are the, only, we are the ones who've got to get it together. If we, aren't, if we aren't protesting in some way or other, inwardly or outwardly, I don't mean just political, but through our, through our being or whatever expression it takes, if we aren't doing it, no one is going to do it. So in, it's a peculiar phenomena where 
we, I mean, look at us. We end up with this responsibility. I'm serious. People, most of the people in the, in the, in the suburbs of Chatswood in Sydney are not going to be concerned. It's the freaks. It's the people who have been on the road. It's the people who have dropped out. It's the people who receive their $67 a week. It's the, the people whose homes are invariably, incredibly untidy. It's the... <laughs> it's, the it's the people who seem to be wearing the same clothes since I was here last time. It's the, <laughs> it's the people who wouldn't dream of buying a, buying a new car. It's, it's the... You know, it's the People wouldn't dream of going to a barber. These are the people. These are the people, whether they're in Australia, whether in the States, whether they're in New Zealand or Europe or, or England or South America or wherever. These are the people who are saying we've, something has to be done and to put the care and energy into it. So we get the job. It's an amazing situation. Considering what we're like, it's an incredible situation. <laughs> and in, and when, in, a, in, a peculi- in a peculiar way, I hope it doesn't sound too off the off the wall. It's um. It has rather a bizarre similarity to that event a couple of thousand years ago. There's this bloke working in this village, a carpenter. So this, looking at the situation and looking at our lives at the inner level and our lives at the outer level and what many of our Friends are friends are doing in various pl- various places in sometimes in very difficult situations. Our friends at Pine Gap tonight, and, and in many other parts and places of of the world, they're all people that you and I really feel at home with. Really feel wherever we go, we feel connected with because they share something with us, and we are sharing some something with them. And there may be little differences in our beliefs and our backgrounds and our philosophies and so forth, but something holds together. In a way, that's very beautiful, isn't it? And suddenly when one hears or one, or one may have heard from somebody else that we are the custodians of the earth, whoever I, we are, suddenly it begins to have real meaning. So they say, Wow! There's some responsibility here. And I feel it what's very what, what's important in this that one we really have to give real support and uh, and express an, uh, an awareness and a care and a love and affection for each other. And here we do it in our silence and in our, in our meditations in our, and our commitment to the whole day. That's very important. 
And it's all too easy if one is involved in an outer action just to do some outer action, as I mentioned, and then forget it. And perhaps there's no better immediate example that comes to my mind is Janosch, is John C. down the road, spending hours and hours every day there, sitting in his bus, running the Rainforest Information Center. And in talking with him a couple of day, days ago, he spent something like $5,000 on postage in the last year or year or two in spreading out information to various groups about the, the crisis that's arisen because of the destruction of the rainforest. And it's very easy, it just so easily, it just becomes a one-man band, a one-woman band. And all, whatever way we're exploring, whatever we, we find ourselves channeling our energies into, whether it's the inner or the outer or both, we all need support. And it's very easy to leave it to somebody else. It's very easy to leave it, in this case, uh, in terms of the financial support to his father to support him, to uh, Greta to support him, and one or two others. And this kind of this kind of area of giving each other so support is a, a real strengthening bond between us, and that we have to explore too. Because we can't leave it to anybody else. It's no it's not possible anymore. And so out of it there comes a sense of a solidarity, of awareness and and love and compassion. Let us in our days here together, these few days that we have here together. to really, while we're here, really work and give care and attention to the inner. Make that, in the time we're here, that a primary focus, since it cultivates much which is beautiful and which can be brought into this world. And in that we share a solidarity with each other, and we sh share a solidarity with, with other men and women around the world who we get on very well with when we make contact with them. May all beings live with inner awareness. May all beings live with outer awareness. May all beings live with love for oneself, for others, for creatures, for the earth.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.